Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Andy Blaker and Marlene Stemmy. Marlene, how are you? Hey, Andy. I'm doing well. I hope you are, too. Doing well. Doing well. It's Saturday, so no complaints here. (laughs) Good. Good. So today we are on episode 22 of season three of Cheers. This episode is titled Cheerio Cheers, written by Sam Simon, directed by James Burroughs, original air date April 11th, 1985. One thing I noticed with this before I get to the log line was there was, what, about a month or so between um, the last episode um, and this episode. So I don't know if they went on a little springtime hiatus or what. I am not sure, um, and I'm not sure, because that's the air date, it's not the filming date, so I'm not sure why right. that happened or what happened that spring. I um, probably could hmm. find out, maybe look at the you know the TV listings of that time, but I'm not sure why right. they did that. Maybe, did Reagan preempt them or anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was, was there a crisis it. going on or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's, it's worth looking into, because it does happen later on, like in the the ninth season actually it's interesting Hmm. that that does happen later but i'm not sure if it was something you know in like world events or something to do maybe with the the filming of the show itself and the cast because i know that nicholas calasanto was not doing great and i think at some point probably at some point before this he actually died you know during the filming so i don't know if that affected it well and another thing period of time in between right another thing i don't know if this is big as big a thing today with streaming as much but for years it was there was always may sweeps right and that's Mm -hmm. when the finales of shows air and so they might have done it so that they had the episodes be you know to the end of may to get the best ratings i don't know but possibly yeah all right well anyway um so the log line for this episode diane's very lukewarm response to fraser's invitation to travel through Europe with him for six months while he teaches at the University of Bologna, strains their relationship and prompts speculation, once again, that Diane might rather be with Sam. At her bon voyage party, as she prepares to leave Cheers forever again, uh, Diane and Sam slowly realize the same thing. So we are covering some familiar <laughs> familiar ground this episode. And one of my things, I'll talk about this later, was I, I just had this colossal sense of deja vu for most of this episode. And okay. it was kind yeah. of like, here we go. They, they might as well have called it Here We Go Again. That would have been a great yes. alternate title. Oh, that's a good, yes, I agree. Because <laughs> we are sort of reviewing and reprising a lot from not only season three, but also finales past, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so starting in, we have our cold open. Uh, Carla comes in for her shift, and she is in a pretty bad, bad mood, Uh, mostly just attributed to life circumstances. She talks about, you know, she is expecting her sixth or seventh child. Um, This is her sixth. Sixth child. I think so. I think so. She's unmarried. She says she's broke. She lives in squalor, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and she says she is having a crisis of faith. You know, why would God allow these sort of things to, you know, happen to her? Uh, Cliff reminds her of um, needing what they call the patience of Job, the biblical character Job. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) Coach, uh, you know, picks up on that point and reminds her that, you know, you do have a good Job here, you know, at Cheers. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that one. And then, you know, spares Cliff's feelings until Carla walks away and reminds him that it's pronounced job. Job. <laughs> I really like that. I love that. I mean, a show that can make a Job joke is at the top of the list, you know. Right. Really great. Um, and well done. This, that, that is by far the funniest part. I liked, too, at the beginning that Carla apologizes to Sam for being late and leaving him without a waitress. Yes. And Diane yes. is right there <laughs> the bar. What And she says, like, what am I, chopped liver? And then Carla retorts. Like now, some people like chopped liver. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that was, the, a very, that was the second funniest part, I thought. Yes, a very solid, very solid opener. Yeah. Um, and, and a couple things worth noticing. This is actually, um, so this episode is the last full episode with Coach, where he is, he plays a part in the actual episode entire. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the next to last cold open featuring Coach. He'll make an mm-hmm. appearance in the last episode of the season, but this was the last, next to last. So for what that's worth, I like that they gave him the good line here. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And it's yeah. perfect for him. That's the thing. Like, it's a great, creative, kind of unusual, I think, joke, and it's perfectly suited for Coach. And, you know, there's a scene later, we'll talk about it, but... Um, I think an especially poignant scene, um, I, I'm sure unintended, obviously, when this episode was written, but um, given that this really is more or less his last episode where, you know, uh, any meaningful involvement in that episode. So we'll mm-hmm. get to that later, but I think it's a fitting end, really, because we're okay. kind of there. Yeah. So. so we open with the episode proper, a shot of the Boston skyline, some upbeat jazz, and um, <laughs> right. we have... We and have they're doing Frasier. more of that now, I should say, too. More they of those are. kind of broader openings, I think, as right? the show goes on. Yeah. I feel like the first couple of years, it was pretty much just the bar exterior, right? Which right. Is, which is fine, but now we're kind of, we're, we're scoping out a little bit, and we're, you know, mm-hmm. a larger landscape, so to speak. You're right. The parts of Boston. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so Frazier comes in. He is very excited. Um, and and <laughs> one thing I wanted to note here, Diane is also a bit excited to see him, uh, you know, responds very sweetly. So evidently this week they're not squabbling. So that's good. Oh, that's a good point. The relationship true, seems to be, yeah. you know, because there have been times where he's come in and she's turned her nose up or they, you know, whatever. So they're getting along for now. Um, and he's very excited. Because he says that he has been given an honor beyond his wildest dreams. Um, certainly something more than he thought he would have achieved at this point in his career. Right. And so this prompts everyone to kind of gather around him. Cliff says, you know, oh, is it the Nobel Prize? He says, no, it's not the Nobel. Norm says, what about the Pulitzer? You know, it's not the Pulitzer. And Diane says, oh, it must be a Guggenheim Fellowship. <laughs> he says, no, no, it's not that. And I love Cliff's <laughs> final line here. Well, then what is it, a canned ham? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you've lost all the big ones. You've lost all the big ones. And he's just, and he turns to go. He's like, you know what? Don't waste my time. He's no longer Exactly. And just briefly, this is kind of what I'm, a little bit of what I meant when we were talking in our last episode, the executive, the executive's executioner about norms since, you know, being sensitive to people. Like, this is totally something that Cliff would do to somebody. Like, Frazier's excited and Cliff's just like, I don't care anymore because this isn't as big as you made it out to be. <laughs> exactly. You false advertising. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
the, the news then is that he has been chosen, Fraser has been chosen as the visiting scholar at the University of Bologna, which mm-hmm. is in Bologna, Italy. Obviously, this prompts uh, a line from Coach saying, I can't believe they need a university for a thing like that. <laughs> right. Thinking of the, the complicated meat. It's as a, he I says. know it's, yeah, it's a complicated right. meat. I know it's complicated meat. <laughs> so Diane fills him in, of course, you know, kind of uh, makes grandiose the university. It's the oldest um, university, I guess, in the world, I, I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And it's known for probably the, the greatest um, school of psychology in Europe. And now that Frazier's there, he reminds them it will be the greatest. So. Right. <laughs> of course. Um Anyway, coach coach asks if the dean was Oscar Meyer, and this this prompts him to go into his one final uproarious laugh that you know I love. Um, always over you the do. top. I know. I can't really explain why I love it, but I'm, I don't. Yeah. He's just so amused Sorry. with himself, you he know. Is. And I like that it's like after Fraser had said that it's now like unarguably the best school in Europe, you know, and he's just yes, he's. I know that he's excited about his opportunity, but it's just so smug. And then what Coach has to say is, "Who's the dean, Oscar Mayer?" Yeah, exactly. And he loves it. He just, he just, he just cracks himself up. And again, you have some extras in the background who are like, "Oh, you know." (laughs) I just loved how they did that. And Diane actually, like when they show Diane again, she's really laughing with him too. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So Frazier asks Diane to join him on this trip they will be gone six months and as we said diane's reaction is is uh, pretty subdued less than enthusiastic she starts to kind of rattle off a list of what would need attended to you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, i don't know mail plants you know uh, several things and then drops sam's name in the midst of that which yeah. uh, of course attracts fraser's attention and she reminds him you know when she you know, came back um, this time, you know, she it was because she was concerned about his, he had kind of fallen off the wagon and, you know, fallen into the, you know, booze and womanizing behavior and everything. And she's afraid that if she's gone, he might, who knows what might happen to his mental state or whatever. So right. um, do you have anything to that point? No, I mean, I think that because she didn't say like the job, it wasn't like, oh, Sam's going to have, you know, need help hear it cheers if I leave or something like that. It was personal. And right. I think she gives a good explanation of why, but I think that the fact that she thinks that Sam is still hanging on to that and that fragile, rather than it being also about her, mm-hmm. says that she's kind of maybe suppressing that, which Fraser I think is rightly picking up on. Right. Right. So right around this time, Sam comes out of the bar. Um, well, I guess Frazier has offered to, you know, talk to Sam and see, kind of give his, you know, clinical yeah. opinion on his ability to handle this news or whatever. Um, and Sam comes out of the office, and I'll, I'll confess with you, I didn't, I, and maybe I'm not supposed to, I didn't really find this funny, and I, I'm not sure if it was because I missed something, uh-huh. but um, he asks if they've ever seen a guy who can do push-ups with his tongue. And uh-huh. so he puts basically his tongue to his palm and, like, you know, yeah. lifts his head up from it. and. I, I don't know. It just felt like something that an elementary school thing would find funny. So I was a little confused by what this was about. But I think it's supposed to be that. Like, Sam just comes okay. out with this, you know, juvenile this, joke, and he's okay. just yeah. cracking up. Well, whereas they've just been having this serious conversation. Sam is in this fragile state, and right. as though okay. he's just brooding 
all the time in his office. You know, it just makes it to me. It presents a different picture of Sam yes. than somebody that's going to come out and go around the bar, you know, just doing this stupid joke to amuse people, basically. And he does. And it's he such goes a over. contrast. Like you think about Fraser is so excited that he's gotten this promotion, not promotion, this opportunity to, um, you know, be a lecturer at the University of Bologna, and it's this high honor. And then mm-hmm. here's this other guy that comes out and is excited <laughs> about being able to do these tongue push-ups. Right. It is a good contrast. I mean, yeah. and, and for that end, it, it does work. I like that he goes over to, like, Cliff and Norm. He shows <laughs> them, and they're all cracking up. Yeah, right. And then Fraser quips, you see, Diane, even without you, has a full life. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So that was good. That was good. Now, so, um, so they go over uh, and talk to Sam. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought was interesting that to me kind of came out of nowhere, at least unless I missed something, was Frazier, you know, says, all right, we're going, you know, we're, we're going to Europe. Uh, you may never see her again. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, well, you said it was for six months. And I mean, you didn't mention moving there or, right. or leaving Boston. So that kind of came to me like, like, are you saying that because that might be true? Or are you saying that because you're kind of hoping that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was almost like that trip would pull her, I don't know, inspire her to leave tears or move her away from that life or something of that sort is, I guess, right. the way that I took it. Either that or that he's trying to gauge Sam's reaction, maybe. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. which of those it was. And from, you know, here on out for the rest of the episode, even Sam, they, they mentioned that basically like we're never going to see her again. I mean, that right. is the assumption when everyone's saying goodbye and everything. Right. So... I don't know. It kind of seemed like they just arrived to that conclusion somehow. Mm-hmm. But anyway. It does, it, yeah, no, I agree with you. It does seem like it's a little bit on the dramatic side that that's going to be Diane's final departure just because she's going to Europe for six months. Right. But as we know, history will tell us differently, right? Right. <laughs> again, here's the deja vu. Here's the deja vu that's coming in. Yeah. So um, Sam appears to handle it pretty well. He offers to throw um, them a throw her a bon voyage party. Right. Uh, Frazier jumps into action, says, "Oh, he's repressing on all cylinders, you know." Mm-hmm. And and and, now, and yeah. Sorry, did we? Um, I wanted to include as well the part they have when Fra- Frazier tells Sam that he and Diane are going to Europe, and Sam says, "Overseas." Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And Diane cool. has the line about, "Well, we were going to go to the local one, but it's all booked up." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, actually. That was a good line. It was a great line. So Frazier really has just dragged Sam into his office under the cover of of wanting to talk about Diane's reaction to to their you know their news, mm-hmm. um, and he of course again you know attributes this to her still having feelings for Sam. Yeah, and uh, Sam does a pretty good job, I think, here of kind of talking Frazier down. Um, yeah. Again, we've nothing that's groundbreakingly original, but he he has a few good lines about Diane. He says something oh, yeah. like, D- "Diane analyzes the blood out of everything," and I thought mm-hmm. that was spot on. <laughs> I yes, exactly. Um, I, I thought backing up just one moment. I thought it was well done to the way Frazier is still talking about, you know, he needs to see Sam in the office. And he's like, as you mentioned, he's repressing on all cylinders and he's still talking about it as they go in the office. But as soon as the door shuts, Frazier says, she doesn't want to go to Europe with me, Sam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think Sam did a good job of analyzing Diane for Frazier, you know, or kind of giving the, his, experience with her and i think the sharpest example because you mentioned like that she analyzes the blood out of everything 
But he said, if you ask Diane, can I offer you a million dollars? She would correct that with, no, 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 no. May. That's May I offer yes. you a million dollars. Yes. I love, love. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, but it also, I think, sums her up as a character very well. In her, oh, yes. You know, so... Um, so yeah, he's trying to persuade Fraser that, you know, she'll come around. She just has to have time to think about it. Um, and about this time Diane comes in and Fraser just, you know, comes out with it. The fact that he was, he felt hurt by her reaction. So she assures him she's had some time to think about it. It's a very romantic place. And she's, you know, now she's kind of looking forward to going with him. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam kind of, he tries to cover for Fraser, you know, when, they, was they Diane asked how is he and both Fraser and Sam reply oh he'll be all right and yeah Sam's covering by saying like see I already got my sense of humor back so he's willing to play that part of the person that was you know upset in order to, to help Fraser save face I think mm-hmm. yeah it's a good point I mean he really is kind of going to bat for him here you know mm-hmm. helping him out mm-hmm. so Fraser leaves for his session and um Diane, <laughs> Diane confronts Sam um, again, just deja vu all throughout here, saying yeah. that, you know, oh, you know, I want to slap that smug look off your face. You know, you're you're you want me to go because you think it'll break us up or, you know, she all these sorts of things that she's reading into it. Um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, tries to authentically, you know, say, listen, I'm being sincere here. I'm happy for you. I want you to be happy. They get into a little and this scene ends with um talking about you know he mentions you know we weren't good good something like we weren't good travel buddies or something talking about yeah. the fact that they couldn't travel together or whatever she said when did we travel when did we ever travel and he says well we went through hell together yeah, <laughs> yeah. was there anything else about this scene that you wanted to point out um i just i think sam is he doesn't respond in kind when diane is telling him she hates him and kind of blaming him you know i, I think clearly projecting onto him yeah. her concerns and he can kind of be above that and say say that he likes both of them and wants to see him happy and so forth so i just i liked his maturity in that i guess i would say and mm. it's kind of a bittersweet friendly end to the conversation about we went through hell together and then she you know makes the joke about it helped that you knew the language so <laughs> right. i just i thought he took the high road he did. He definitely took the high road. And that, 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 the contrast between the two of them, he takes the high road and she comes in guns blazing and yeah. making these accusations. I mean, it just like proving her point, you know, his, his point with the conversation with Frazier that, you right. know, she's overanalyzing everything to death. And all right. So, um, the Sam and Diane come out of the office and we have Carla and some of the guys around the bar talking about, um, having a talk on faith and Carla says she's lost her faith. And conveniently, this is right when Sam announces that Diane is leaving. You know, we may never see her again. And Carla drops to her knees, um, (laughs) assuming the the praying pose and starts singing. And full disclosure here, I didn't look this up and I don't know what this is referencing, what this is from. I'm sorry to say. No, I don't either. But it's it's just... (laughs) I guess I could, but I just enjoyed the way that she did that so much that I just kind of let right. it go, I think. It's like, I okay. believe, and it's about like a flower, something about like for everything that happens or whatever, and something about a flower mm-hmm. grows. <laughs> and it's yeah. just this really, you know, modeling, maudlin little song about believing in nature and so forth as she looks heavenward. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, hold on. I want to look it up. I, I need to know okay. now what it's from because I, I assumed that this was simply me missing a big cultural reference of the time. It might um, be, but I don't know it either. I don't know either. I was going to say, too, I don't know if this is one of the things that you were going to mention when you were talking at the beginning about Coach with the when we talked about the Job joke in yeah. the teaser. But it's the beginning of that little conversation. You know, Coach is asking Carla what she's looking for. Is it a sign from God? And he tells her that religious belief is based on faith before she says that she thinks she's lost faith. So I think I like the way that goes back to the discussion in the teaser, mm. you know, about her life and so forth. And I didn't know if that's what you were had in mind when you were talking about Coach and this being one of his, or his actually final full episode when he's talking about belief based on faith, because that's something that could be tying into sort of a, you know, mm -hmm. an end of life conversation too. And I think that's a great, I mean, that's a great point. That wasn't the scene I had in mind. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, you're right. It, it's also fitting that he, he plays that role for her. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a close relationship and everything. Okay, well, the best I can figure, I think this is an old, like, gospel standard that okay. is like a, not, I don't know if it's like a hymn or whatever, but it looks like it's been one of those songs that's been covered many, many times. Actually, Elvis Presley covered it random. Oh, anyway, there we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I assumed it was almost like from a musical or something that I hadn't yes, seen. Yes, that's what it sounds like, the way she sings it. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, but it works. Like you said, you don't have to know it. It's just, it's funny. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now here it is. This is the scene. Um, so we we come back and we are at the Bon Voyage party for Diane. This is the scene I was talking about earlier. So Coach and Sam okay. are talking. Yeah. And Coach can't believe, you know, she's going. Um, and he talks about how he imagined Sam and Diane would be married, living in a house in the country with a little room in the back for Coach to live in. Yeah. Um, she'd make fried chicken dinner. They'd have kids, you know, just this idea of a very, you know, idyllic kind of home. Mm -hmm. Um, this was the scene because I found yeah, this I really, really poignant because it kind of summed up coach's feelings that, okay, these two belong together for some reason or another. And it just, I, I thought like it echoed the dynamic that we've seen, you know, some of the best, some of the good episodes from the, the last three years have been like, I, I think of the ones where, you know, Sam and Diane um, try to get rid of coach and, and hook, connect him up with a woman today. You know what I'm, right. those kinds of episodes where it's kind of the three of them have mm -hmm. this little dynamic going. And I always enjoy those. And this to me felt like the culmination of that. You know, the, yeah. oh, we could all three live together. He'd be like a grandpa to their kids, and it would just be this happy house in the country. So I yeah. thought and he even that ends was a with. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I thought this was a great good scene. It would have been a you know, sweet little dialogue, regardless. But then the fact that this really is the last kind of meaningful, I think, interaction you get with Coach and a main character. Mm -hmm. um, outside of the opener in the last episode, I, I, I know. But um, I just thought it was a really, you know, sweet way to end it. Yeah, I think that's a because I think of it as being a sort of a melancholy, you know, bittersweet conversation that he's having with Sam. But I didn't think about that in terms of his last real conversation with him. But it is. And he even ends like his you know vision of their lives with God, it was going to be a happy house. As, right. you know, something is, as, like, it's passed by. It's not going to happen. 
And then, I mean, it ends on a funny note with oh, you yeah. know, Sam saying, well, you know, that'll be with Frazier and, and, and Coach Lull. Just call first, you know? Right, you can call anytime. Coach assumes he'll still be there, you <laughs> exactly. know? Right there, right? <laughs> he'll still be there. It'll just be Frazier instead of Sam. So, right. <laughs> that I was really a great twist because yeah. uh, it just subverts that. Really, like, the sweet idea that he would be with Sam, you know, it's like... No, he's going to be at the house with the fried chicken and they're going to be listening to the ball game and bouncing, which is a vision you can't imagine at all. I don't think with Sam or sorry, with Frazier and Diane. No, no. Uh, you know, I, mean, like I could, when coach is describing this, it is this kind of poignant scene that they could, you know, we could see them maybe living in a home in the country when they're older. Right. Um, and coach being there in the back and all of this. But then if you insert Frazier into that, like the fried chicken dinners and the ball game on the play, like none of that fits. But in coach's mind, like he is still there. Sam can come yeah. by whenever, just call first. That's right. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that little bit. Mm-hmm. I did so, too. So Norm and Cliff are heading home and they are saying goodbye to Diane. Um, you know, Norm's kind of just, you know, very straightforward. Um, I thought it was funny because I'm um, coming on the heels of just watching the last episode where uh, there was a little bit where um, Cliff stands up in the last episode for Norm and, and defends him, you know, it's okay for a man to cry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of does a similar thing here where he's like, you know, oh, Norm, don't hide your true feelings, you know, when he's when he's saying goodbye to Diane. Right. Anyway, that's something I noticed. Um, so they're about ready to walk out and Diane says, I'm waiting for a kiss. And, <laughs> and so Norm and Cliff kiss on their cheeks. Basically. Well, she is leaving. <laughs> yeah, she is leaving. We'll do it for that, you know. Right. Um, so of course this, this gets a good, uh, a fun little audience laugh and Diane's very amused. Um, they start to walk off and Cliff's <laughs> Cliff says something like, oh, man, you should have seen the look on her face. And Norm says, I was more worried about the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to watch awesome. Cliff's face. He, he yes. has these great reactions where he's laughing. And all of a sudden, when he realizes he's been, like, made fun of or something, and he just clams up and goes yep. stony. And I love it. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. I don't know if you've yet seen any of the montages they've done with the full thing song. We'll get to them, like, way later in the series when they actually show them. Um, but there's one, they have a, you know, like a, a little montage of people kissing across the whole span of the show, you know, and mm-hmm. one of them is that, <laughs> that kiss of Norman Cliff. So these are like montages that aired like in the episode proper? Well, there was a 200th mm-hmm. episode that they do in season nine. And then oh. before, like in the half hour or whatever special before the very final episode of Tears, they end with the theme song showing clips. It's like a little clip montage, you know, okay. across the whole series. And in either one or both of those, they have they, they have that moment. You know, they'll have like, again, like the different scenes, like the one coming up when Diane and Coach kind of kiss on the cheek, kiss goodbye. I think that's in there. And that's, you know, sort of a, a moving one, a poignant one. And then they right. have various like romantic moments and what have you, but they also have the Norman Cliff <laughs> kissing on the cheek moment. It's great. So. It's a great moment. Just yeah. So that's it, it. It just it continues to go well. I think. Yeah. So Carla, Carla's up next, and she says goodbye. And this was, you know, I, she actually is kind of sincere. The mm-hmm. you know, she hopes that everything goes well, and she has a, a nice life or whatever she says. And she says she she hands her a post-it note. Uh, she wrote down an Italian phrase that she says is going to be very helpful for her. And it translates to be, excuse me, Mr. Pharmacist, where do you keep the peroxide? (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
So she got her parting shot there. Did you notice, too, how she shook Diane's hand? Diane, like, you know, magnanimously sticks her hand out to Carla to shake her hand. And she kind of, like, takes her fingertips and quickly shakes them. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I love that. She's like, don't push it. Don't push it. Right, right. And then you have um, the goodbye with Coach and Diane. This was another good one. You know, he's yeah. very sincere in thanking her for coming back, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, keeping an eye on Sam. And uh, Diane asks um, Coach to stand by him, which he tries to do literally. Promptly and, does, yes. Uh, yeah, he does, uh, which was great. Yeah. Um, and says, you know, just watch over him. Mm-hmm. Watch over him. So that was, again, that's another part. That's another part that it just really makes this episode, knowing what we know about it, that this is the, this is kind of his swan song. And um, right. I really liked it. I thought, I thought it, it worked out. Again, it wasn't intended, I'm sure. But fortunately, it, it works. You know? yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. It's very sweet. So, all right. It's just Sam and Diane again. Here mm-hmm. we go again. This is goodbye, folks, for real this time. Right. And may We're I say... We're never going to see her again. <laughs> uh, right. Never again. I happened to look at the time of the, you know, like on the episode play at this point, and I don't even think the episode... It was maybe half over, but a good chunk of it was left yeah. by the time of this scene. Mm-hmm. So and that, you know, going to... So you know what's that it's coming, be right? Pretty, right. Pretty You're like, oh scene. boy, brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point because I, I knew I, I thought, oh, here we go. Like I mm-hmm. said, deja vu. So Diane uh, starts to kind of, and there's a lot going on here. So if I miss anything, let me know. Um, she starts reminiscing about when she first came in there um, yeah. in the pilot episode. She says, she, and this was a very self-knowing line. She says, "What a prissy little snot I was." Right. <laughs> Right. And then Sam says something like, well, yeah, and who, who would have thought it would have only, only gotten worse? <laughs> yeah. Which was good. Um, Sam asks her to think of him as a decent guy. You know, he says, I know that I, you know, there there have been some issues and I've behaved less than nobly or whatever, but mm-hmm. I hope you think of me as a decent guy. Which I thought um, was very heartfelt of Sam. Yeah, absolutely. The way he says that. Absolutely was. Yeah. Let me hand it to you. Do you, uh, what, what are some things you want to point out here versus like going through it, you know, line by line, line, by line. It's basically they're starting to say goodbye, but what are some things that yeah. stand out to you here? Um, well, she does, when he asks about her remembering him as a decent person, she says that she'll remember him as Albert Schweitzer, you know, Yeah. <laughs> which is funny, but it's a little bit of a cut down as well. I think, you know, he takes it, it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of, I noticed she laughs to herself sort of in the way she used to do in the old days of season one when she made a joke, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I just, I don't know. I noticed that and they're comparing the situation to the year before when they broke up, you know, and she's kind of saying something about like their breakup and the drama <laughs> of that and so forth. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I do think there's a lot to this. There's. The part when he, you know, she's she asked if he knows when she, why she came back, and his response is because you're a woman and I'm Sammy, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, it's egotistical in a way that he says it almost as though Sammy is this character that he plays is mm-hmm. another way that I thought about it. Hmm. Um, let's see. 
And that's actually a good, I'm sorry, that, that's a good point because, you know, she almost becomes offended when he doesn't out and out acknowledge the fact that she came back to save him. You know what I mean? Right. Like her voice, her voice goes up an octave. And uh, I remember kind of watching that thinking she's getting awfully defensive for, mm-hmm. you know, some random remark. But yeah. Yeah, and then she had just made the Albert Schweitzer comment, so I don't think that you know, <laughs> exactly. joking around is necessarily something that she should be averse to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I think I've seen this in different ways, because I've seen it in the past about she does see herself as this savior figure, and why is she, even when she was talking to Coach, like why is she asking him to look after Sam and you know all of this, because she also has behaved poorly and whatnot. But I mean, I was a little more sympathetic toward her, I think, this time, because I think she was concerned about his drinking and his health, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and his, con- I don't know. It makes it about her, but at the same time, I think she doesn't want him to fall back into some something that would be harmful for him. Right. I think the whole discussion of whether or not they're friends is interesting. Because it seems like that's very important to Sam. And to Diane also. But I thought it was interesting that it seemed important to Sam that they be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, though, and this is... I don't... This is something I think about throughout the whole series. But I think it's interesting... I don't, it almost... It seems in this instance that friendship is almost like the default if you don't have something else. Like, the well, if we're not lovers but we're somehow connected to each other like oh well we're friends and i don't know i don't i don't know that i like that interpretation of friendship like if they are Mm -hmm. friends that's one thing but even when we go forward into it's i mean it's kind of skipping ahead of it like the conversation on the phone when diane hopes that they're still friends you know i just it's not a consolation prize friendship right and i think overall like again this is you know maybe moving forward too much but i feel like on cheers friendship trumps romance like all of the friendships are the things that end up lasting longer or being more meaningful or whatnot and I don't think it's done in a way like as a statement I just think it's the nature of the relationships in that bar mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's you know different different people you know like Sam and Diane versus like Sam and Carla Sam and Carla are friends Sam and Diane are lovers let's say or combatants and whatever you know but they're not I wouldn't say they're necessarily friends in a deep friendship sense and then sometimes i think it's between like they're different relationships with the same people Mm -hmm. um not to give too much away but i feel like later on there's when kirstie alley joins the show sam and rebecca become more friends but there's previously like this layer of a relationship there but it's almost like having different relationships with the same person Hmm. um i don't know but that's why i find it interesting that they're discussing friendship because i think like what friendship means maybe not be the same thing to both of them. Right. I'm probably being Diane-like and overanalyzing this, though. <laughs> analyzing the blood out of it. I'm analyzing no, the no. blood out of their discussion. No, but that's a good... Uh, it's a good point. It's like they have to be either or. We have to be friends or lovers. And that's the only two categories right. we can put ourselves in. And if we're not friends, um, we default... Ha- or not lovers, we have to default be friends. Like, well, no, you don't. That doesn't right. mean you're friends just because you are not lovers, but you're still around each other. Like, you, I don't know. I just... Right. It's interesting. No, it's, it's but there's. A, you asked like what was significant. I think this entire scene with the hug, where they're going through all the names of friendship. Yes. Is I thought that was amusing too, like Monami, you know, from Diane and Amigo mm-hmm. and Compadre. <laughs> exactly. It's it's funny. It's it went on a bit, but I I thought that they did a good job with it. So and they neither of them can let go. They try the the one two three right. count. You know, 
it, it just the hug goes on, and you're right. They yeah. kind of you know back and forth with the the nicknames for friends and everything. Um, right. And and what finally, did that remind you of? Did that take you back a whole year to the nose grabbing fight? Yes, it did. Okay. That was because they won't exactly. let go. It's like, but this time they're hugging rather than. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, they were seated yeah. in the exact same spot. It's, exactly. It, it, I think it was supposed to be a callback. You know. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't let go at the count of three, just like with the noses, mm-hmm. they didn't let you know. Right. So finally, they part. Um, Diane starts to walk off. She grabs her, her coat, goes to the door. But wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> she, she turns and she drops her coat in her purse and she runs and they start kissing. Well, no, she doesn't drop her purse. Oh, she didn't. That's right. <laughs> She doesn't we drop know the purse. What does she do? Oh, she puts it on the, the coat. bar. She, she drops the yeah, she drops the coat. Okay. And she puts no. the purse on the that's right. We're not she, she hasn't does, lost her not, mind. Yeah, she's not for sure drop the that purse. she's right, right. <laughs> so this this starts. <laughs> yeah, they're basically making out. Uh-huh. She out. says something uber corny, like, how could we deny ourselves for so long? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you're just watching it like, God almighty. Some, like, you know? Harlequin romance. Go. I know. <laughs> oh, so um, Sam wants to take her to his place. And, you know, they're kissing and, you know, talking all, all the way to the door. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, Sam, Sam, wait. <laughs> and he just loses it on her. Um He's, you know, what, 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 why, what, you know, just, just, it just flies off and he's, you know, starts kind of bringing up the stuff about, you know, oh, analyzing this. And I can't remember everything he says, but, um, yeah, that she couldn't be spontaneous. I mean, that's pretty much yes. it. She can't yeah. be spontaneous. Exactly. She'd have to analyze, overanalyze it. Yeah. And she's like, I was just going to say, I almost forgot my purse. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's just quickly realizes, oh boy, you know. Yeah, like, know. oh, let me get that for you. Sweetheart. Yes. Or something like that. He made a big, but he knows he stepped in it. He knows <laughs> yeah, he should yeah. not have done that. So he, this prompts their conversation about what he's wanting, what he's intending that night to be. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and she offers a series of comparisons. Is this a beginning or an ending? Is this hello or goodbye? Is it, you know, goes on and he basically, you know, says, I don't think this conversation's ever going to end. Right. It's something about, yeah, tom- it's just going to last beyond tomorrow. Right. I don't think the conversation is going to last, or it's this, uh, the conversation is going to last beyond, beyond tomorrow is what he said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, she basically says that, you know, she, he says, oh, you were all hot. And she's like, I wasn't hot. I was insane. And, um, you know, basically said, you know, in the course of this, she manages to insult Sam's intelligence, sense of morality, you know, nothing yeah. we haven't heard before. Um, and, and now Frazier is like this just shining star. Exactly. Brilliant, well, most sensitive man or whatever, you know. And she says, you know, I, I was I was insane to to want to almost give up a lifetime of, you know, whatever. I, I, I get this confused with the last line. But um, Frazier is this this sense of security and um, the man that she really wants. And she'd be a fool. She'd be insane to give that up for Sam, basically, yeah. is what she she's saying. So anyway, you know, the, this fortunately does not progress to be like a full blown out and out knockout drag out fight but basically they part and sam has a real telling part here i think where he says you know frazier can offer you a lifetime of security 
But with me, it's one day at a time. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting, truthful way to put it. Because I feel like that's kind of describes, that's a that's putting a positive spin on their relationship. The ups and downs and everything that have progressed mm-hmm. over the last three years, you know. So, and he says, yeah. if you can live with that, if you can live with one day at a time, you know, call me. Right. I think that's a great point. And I, I think it's also true, just a great reflection of Sam, you know, on himself. Like, he kind of goes through life one day at a time. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the whole, you know, sobriety one day at a time, right? Right, so, exactly. You know, I think he, and he's not, you know, he doesn't overanalyze anything. He's much more laid back than she is. And I think that's his approach to life out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's very much not her approach. So, you know, that kind of outlines the stark differences between the two. So um, we come back. It is uh, the next day. And um, Carla, <laughs> Carla is back to her good old self. She's in a good, a better mood. Um, right. She asks Sam if he gave Diane a goodbye boink. And uh, <laughs> Sam notices right. her, her colorful language and happy to see that she's back to her old self. Yeah. Um, she reveals that she, (laughs) she tried to have in the, uh, she's Catholic and, uh, she tried to have Diane's leaving formally declared a miracle by the priests, I guess. Right. right. (laughs) She said she had witnesses and everything. Like, it sounds like she's petitioning the Catholic church. Yes. Like through the hierarchy to have her leaving, Diane's leaving. Right. Constitute a miracle. Yeah. 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 Um, so the phone rings and coach answers and <laughs> he says, I, I, I always try to wonder in this, like what was, um, what was said on the other line? Because it seems a little odd to me, but it says, no, Diane's mm-hmm. not here. Oh, you're Diane. Well, then you're certainly not here. He says <laughs> like how she, what she would have said that prompted that. I don't know. But um, she called for Sam and she and Frazier are in London, which I got to say, that's a pretty quick trip. Because, you know, it was last night when they were last together. And now they're in London. That's, I mean, London's a long flight. Right. So that was, they must have left early. Anyway. Um, right. They're in, it, and it's not like the middle of the night the next day. Like they, no. you know, it's it the looks day, like I it's assume. Day, yeah, exactly. Or evening at the earliest, yeah. Yeah. So Diane and Frazier are in a London hotel room. And she called Sam to ask if they're still friends. So here we go. Back to what we were saying earlier. They're right. still kind of in that whole friends discussion. Sam says, or she's something like, um, and you can hear Frazier singing in the shower too. Like that's another yeah. thing that I think was a bit of a, I mean, it's it's purposeful, you know. I think because Frazier's enjoying himself apparently, and he's happy and he's singing in the shower, and then she kind of closes the door. But like Sam knows that Frazier's singing in the shower, so it's a little bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, I would think like a hurt to Sam or something, you know, mm-hmm. to Sam. Right. And also, she's calling when Fraser's otherwise occupied. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't come across well. I don't no, think. no, the whole thing. You're right. So she asked if they're friends, um, since you know they they weren't able to make it as lovers. And Sam says, "No, I don't think we're friends." And she says, "Well, what are we? Well, we've been kidding ourselves." He says, mm-hmm. which I I thought that harkens back to our conversation earlier about you know these two categories you have to you know friends or lovers and if you can't be lovers well then you got to be friends right so i i thought this was a really telling response about from sam it was a great Mm -hmm. line great line 
So there's, you know, they almost hang up. There's this usual back and forth, kind of like when they had the embrace in the last scene. Right, um, exactly what I thought. <clears throat> Sam asks her to, you know, write him, send him a postcard. And uh, Diane hangs up and then Sam hangs up. End of episode. Well, he has that line, too, that I think is interesting coming from Sam. He tells her to write small. You know how I like to read in between the lines. Yeah. There's a lot of heavy... Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it's, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't really, to me, I don't really feel like they needed to include this last scene. I mean, there were some good lines. And, again, the line we've been kidding ourselves, I, I think that that was the purpose of it. But yeah, I think the, the way the previous scene ended would have been sufficient. If you can live with that, call me. It puts it, you right. know what I mean? This, and then they, they went split screen, which I understand why they did, but it kind of felt like, I don't know. Like, there wasn't any comedy in the last minute or so. It was all just this drama. And it was, mm-hmm. again, I felt like you could have just left it at the end of the last scene and called it good enough for that. Just That's what opinion. I think, too, because I think that his line in the last scene was a better ending yeah. for them, for this episode, than yeah. having the phone call on top of that. Yeah, I it's agree. just like, it's almost like a, I don't know, I wouldn't call it like a denouement, because it's not really, but it's just a little tacked on scene at the end. And in itself is a scene, it's not bad, but no. I don't think it, it's almost like opening another can of worms at the end of the episode. Right. I guess. Right. And I, I kind of feel like it's, um, and again, I don't know what happens, but I know we still got like, what, three more episodes until the end. So it's mm-hmm. clear that, okay, well, she's not really gone. This was not a goodbye, which of course, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just get the feeling that we're going to drag this out a bit. And I'm like, oh my gosh. One thing I will <laughs> say about this episode, and again, I, 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 I know I've said this, so I don't want to be too repetitive, but. My biggest thing, this episode, in a way, I enjoyed it, but in a way, it seems like it kind of drags on a bit longer mm-hmm. than it needs to, and a large part because of the last, um, the next to last scene where they're hugging and kissing and all that, um, and talking. But I, um, it just, it, it's just, I, I was watching this and I felt we've seen this before. We've seen this before, and even if we haven't seen the specifics, I mean then it just feels like it just drags on and on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think I think they did a good job in the last scene. And I I think, too, like we said, that the them not ending the hug is sort of the parallel to them not ending the, like, the nose-pinching episode at the end of season two, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's good visual. Like you said, they're in the same place and all of that. And I, it's that kind right. of repetition I appreciate. But it's the same thing of she's... This it's, a, it's season three, and it's the third year in a row that Diane is threatening to leave forever, albeit in a different way. It's not so much, you know, some ultimatum she's issuing. It's just that she's going away with Frasier, being taken away. She doesn't really want to go, all of this. So it is the same sort of, I mean, it's just repeating that again. It, it really know? is. I mean, it's like, okay, well, we're winding down the season. Here we go again. We've got to find another way to right. mix some drama up in this. And it, it just, it's, it feels kind of stale at this point to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what more could have been done or if anything needed to be done more with Frazier in the episode and his thoughts about this. Because it's almost like his whole purpose is coming in. And I know he's a supplementary character, particularly at this point, but his whole purpose is coming in and 
introducing this idea of going to Europe and taking Diane, you know, away from tears, taking her to Europe with him. And so that's the impetus of it. But I think we get, you know, a fair amount of his thoughts and feelings about it that add to the episode at the beginning. And then once he's convinced rather quickly, I would add that Diane wants to go, everything's fine. Then he's just almost the one that's like, Oh, cheerio and leaves (laughs) to get ready. And we don't really have any more of how that's affecting him, which again, like I said, it's kind of, it's, it's fair to do that because he's not one of the primary characters. But to me, that was a, I don't know. I just found it a more enlivening part of the episode, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think Ted Danson and Shelley Long do well with the material in that scene at the end, but it does go on a bit, given that we've, you know, seen that sort of thing at least twice before, I would say. Absolutely. I always feel like the acting, when they do these scenes, the acting is spot on. It's not a criticism mm-hmm. of that. It's it's more a criticism of just the character arc itself and the writing, and it feels like we're just... It doesn't feel organic. It feels like, okay, well, we're we're nearing the end of the season. Season one, we did this. Season two, we did this. How are we going to do it this time? You know what yeah. I mean? And it, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It just feels forced, I guess. But. There's that, yeah, because it's that across the seasons, there's, like you just said, there's that repetition. But I think even within season three, coming from the start of it and the, you know, even a few episodes in, what is the episode? I call your name. I think when... Diane has called out Sam's name while she's in bed with Frasier or whatever it is. Yeah. There's just several times like that that sort of spin this whole doubt in Frasier's mind that Diane wants to be with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that we repeat that triangle type of thing several times throughout the season. So that's going on as well as repeating this sort of like grand drama of their relationship and her leaving. So I think that it's it's not a culmination of it. I think it, it just does seem more repetitive to me. Hmm. Like, well done repetition, but just, yeah. and like you said, I mean, it's the structure of the story. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. So, Anything else on that? I would just say that I think six months in Europe would be a very long time to spend with either Diane or Fraser. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> And, it, it, you know, her point she made earlier about, you know, Sam, you just want us to go because you think we're going to break up. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think anyone with would think that, you know, how they are. Yes. I mean, those are two people that I don't – yeah, that is that is a long time in, in that environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I like, again, like the side story with Coach – or not with – well, the Coach, like the scenes with Coach, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um. I hadn't really thought about that again in terms of Nicholas Colasanto's last appearances on the show being those scenes, but I think that does work really well. And I think that the idea of Carla's lack of faith and feeling beleaguered in her life without making it like a big deal, it's not a plot about that. It's just her talking about it with Coach mm-hmm. and so forth. I, I like the way they included that at this point too. So that to me worked really well. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I'll say my favorite, you know, my favorite parts of this episode had to do with Coach because this mm-hmm. this basically is the last episode he's in. He is in the cold open for the season finale this year. Right. But I read a little bit on that, and it sounds like those scenes were actually intended for another episode, and they just used it they, as the cold open for I that one. I think they did, the way it comes across, from yeah. what I recall. Yeah. So in terms of his involvement with the characters in a meaningful way, the story... This was mm-hmm. his. This was his last. So I'm glad that. I'm glad that they gave him a fitting. 
it felt like a tribute in some ways, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, when the, you know we recap the entire season. Um, because I do have some thoughts. We'll get into it later. I do have some thoughts about how they dealt with Nicholas Colasanto's illness and his character's okay. disappearances throughout the throughout the season. But right. we'll do that later. But no, I, I I like that they did what they did in this episode. That was the strongest part to me. The rest mm-hmm. definitely did feel more like here we go again, you know, and mm-hmm. how are we going to get out of this one, you know? Right, right. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going tonight, Andy? Hey, it's good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So we are on episode 23 of season three. This one is titled The Bartender's Tale. It was written by Sam Simon, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on April 18th, 1985. And our episode summary is, with Diane in Europe with Fraser, Sam is in need of a replacement waitress. He and Carla differ, to put it mildly, on what qualities constitute the ideal Cheers waitress. Carla insists that Sam hire someone with whom he will not become romantically involved. Carla gets her way in hiring an older, seemingly matronly English lady, Lillian Huxley, whose zeal for service and her rapport with the regulars make her a favorite for everybody. This ideal scenario is threatened, however, when Sam meets Lillian's lovely and sensual daughter and then has a misunderstanding with Lillian about who holds his romantic interest. Meanwhile, Diane and Fraser arrive in Italy. <laughs> I, I just got to say, I love your description, that, that seemingly matronly. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's a very, but wait, there's more kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. You just wait and see. Um not all you know not everything what is it the saying the meets the eye it's not yes exactly you know. yep. yeah. <laughs> um, so in the teaser Sam is interviewing a new waitress applicant so we're starting off the story pretty much in the teaser and mm. Cliff t- makes this kind of snide comment that it's not going to be easy for Sam to find somebody to work at the wages that Carla makes mm. and so Carla then tells Cliff that with tips she clears about $500 a week. And Norm, as her accountant, confirms this. So, you know, Cliff is hes getting hot under the collar questioning why a federal employee, him, that performs the most noble and vital service to our society makes less than a wench serving beer to slobs on bar stools, which, of course, he also is. Mm-hmm. So Norm says that this makes sense. He can go like three days or so without the mail. Um, and of course, I like, can't go very long without the beer. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts on this teaser, but what did you think of it? 
Yeah, I mean, it does introduce the story very, very quickly, very directly. Um, I like that uh, Cliff gets taken down a notch, but he really looks pretty bad here, right? I mean, he comes off as this very kind of pompous, kind of haughty guy, you know what I mean? Like, just very... You know, the, the the calling her a wench and demeaning her job and all that. It, it, it kind of comes off as a bit mean-spirited, even though, you know, they do their jabs back and forth. Right. It, I don't know. It didn't I, – I, it wasn't particularly appealing. It was kind of like, oh, you know, kind of right. made you wince. <laughs> I thought it was – yeah, it wasn't – it was – he's, you know, demeaning her status. It's not just like a bar back and forth. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um. And of course, you know he's coming to this from his po- his position as a post carrier, postal carrier. <laughs> so yes, um, oh, he yes. always sees that as you know this obviously elevated position in society. But seeing her so in such a menial role, you know, is a little unappealing. Although she apparently gets her come up, doesn't apparently doesn't care and gets her come up. It's when you know she's talking about how much money she makes, and Norm is talking about how much money she makes. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing that, you know, it. it's no worse than some of the barbs that she's, you know, passed at him before. True. But I don't know. It just sounds different coming from him as opposed to her. You know, that's her. That's the mm-hmm. essence of her. And this kind of just seemed like, ooh, like he's really trying too hard and it came off kind of a kind of abrasive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I also kind of raised my eyebrows thinking about what Carla would make in today's money if she's making $500 in 1985. So I looked into this a little bit and she says that she clears $500 a week. So I'm assuming this is after taxes if she's talking about Mm. clearing it. Mm -hmm. Either way though, $500 in 1985 from what I found would be worth approximately $1,237 today, which means that Carla takes home what is today's equivalent of $64,324 if we're assuming she works 52 weeks a year, she probably has a little time off, but Carla works quite a bit as we see. Right. So that's a considerable sum of money for a barmaid. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I thought that was, I don't know. I thought that that was kind of a, like a fun trivia bit. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, did they, did they bother to really look into it? I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe at the time, obviously that many years ago, but yeah, when you, you know, adjust for inflation or whatever, and you look at it in terms of today's money, it definitely seems like, wait a minute, (laughs) (laughs) you know, how how popular (laughs) is this bar? Right. I mean, sure. You have people coming in and out a lot, but you know, (laughs) right. Exactly. So, okay. We get to the episode and it's this whole scene of Sam introducing his preferred waitresses to Carla for Carla's approval. And this first one, Carla asks if she's had any experience serving the public. And the woman answers, you mean dressed? <laughs> so Carla tells her to take a hike, you know. So Sam's flirting his way to the door with her and all of that. And then we get to the point of Carla reminding Sam, and she says, "When you know, we're talking about when Diane left for Europe. And then she adds this, like, heavenward thank you god (laughs) that sam promised he'd hire a real waitress rather than sort of like a love them and leave them girl and she says that she ends up doing all the work and she just wants someone that doesn't make them both think of the word boob at the same time um so the next one is the same thing and i noticed sam is kind of holding her hand while he's reading this list of her turn-ons which apparently is part of his job application and so Carla just, you know, immediately dismisses her. And Sam, I think, makes a date with her on the way out. So 
don't know. Like this is, it's a bit much to me to think Sam as a businessman, even though he's you know interested in women like this, isn't using more sense in hiring. So yeah, it does. In a way, that it does seem a little ex- Yeah, it seems too extreme for the character, and this whole bit goes on a little too long, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree completely. Yeah, I thought so too. I completely appreciate Carla's perspective, but I think the whole—it's not—it's not funny past a point, though. Yeah. Uh, but then we get uh, Lillian Huxley. Calls out Lillian Huxley, <laughs> and this stout kind of. I would say Europeanly dressed woman. I don't really know accurately how to describe her dress, but mm-hmm. she's certainly not dressed like any of the other women that have come into the bar. <laughs> right. She strides to Sam and asks in a British accent, how do you do, Mr. Malone? In this very deep, resonant voice. And Sam immediately tells her that the position's been filled. You know, And Carla makes him halt and says that Lillian has the best resume she's ever seen. She's been schlepping booze for 25 years. Um, so Carla is clearly impressed. And then Lillian volunteers that her turn-ons include hunting dogs, Thackeray, and Welsh rarebit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I yes. just loved that. I did too. And the actress that plays her is Lila Kay. Did you have anything? I didn't ask you this before. Did you have anything on Lila Kay? I did have a couple oh, little okay. things. Um, she's basically... Um, from what I could gather, um, uh, very much a character actress based in the UK, a number of UK productions throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, To the US, there's not a whole lot that she'd be like super recognizable for. She was the lead in a sitcom um, the year before she guessed it on Cheers, so 1984. She had a CBS sitcom called Mama Malone, and it only ran for a short little bit. It, it was only in 84, um, but she was the lead in that. And then she was also a regular on um, a series in the early 90s with Valerie Bertinelli called Cafe American, hmm. or Americane. I can't tell based on the way they spelled it, but... Um, uh, again, I don't know how much awareness that that series brings to anybody, but she had a few, you know, good bits there. And she passed away, and I, I want to say it was 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's probably best known for some of those those smaller productions in the UK that were on like the BBC, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. see that. She seems like she would fit that very well, yeah. and she's quite the character here. So I could see that being, a, you know, <laughs> something that she would be good at portraying elsewhere as well. Yeah, she you know she carries on by saying that she basically is one of the lucky ones that felt the irresistible tug of a true calling early in life. And she just has some great lines in this part when she's talking about how serving what was it like just serving um, ale in a public house or I don't remember if that's exactly it, but she just carries yeah. on you know about her. Yeah, and she, she's beer. talking like um, yeah exactly. She's like you know I let let it be known on my my tombstone or something that I always gave a a, a bit more than a pint of ale. You know, <laughs> just just going on and on. And, and what's funny is this whole bit as she's giving this whole speech, she's just like mopping at the tables and doing her you know what she would do in her job and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. <laughs> Right, so Carla pretty much makes Sam hire Lillian because she's yeah. too good to be true. And from this, we move on, seemingly move on. Um, we're in Italy now. We have scenes of Italy and Italian music and Fraser and Diane checking into their hotel room. And Diane opens a letter, and it's actually a copy of Lillian's resume. So we are kind of continuing the Lillian story here. But <laughs> Carla has included a note that says, ha-ha, you're out of here forever. 
So Diane takes that in good humor, which I liked. You know, it's always good to hear mm-hmm. from Carla or something like that. And Frazier, he seems a little upset that Diane is thinking about Cheers, or he just doesn't want her to have to think about Cheers, you know, mm-hmm. this is expression, I think. Um, and he has tipped their bellboy 200,000 lira. Um, Diane tells him that that's equivalent to $100 and that she wants him to get the money back. So this is kind of setting an awkward position. There's a knock at the door and the entire hotel staff is there to, to thank them, you know, for this money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we pretty much, this is kind of a new thing because in the last episode, Diane was taking off for Europe with Frasier and we saw that little bit of them, I think in London when, she, when Diane called Sam, but now they are properly in Italy. So it's kind of a new adventure for Diane. And a new it thing is. for the show too. Yeah, and I mean, we see this unfold over this and the, the final two episodes of the season, and, you know, we'll have some comments in those episodes about it, but I don't know. Uh, when we get to the, f- the finale of this season, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are, because the mm-hmm. scenes very much kind of seem like <sighs> interjected into the narrative, which, I mean, obviously they are, but I, I just don't know how well they come off, you know what I mean? Yes. The, the fact that, that, that you know, she's she's maintaining this contact with the people at the bar when she's in Europe, and it just kind of seemed very forced to me, but... I, I think we will have some interesting things to discuss, but it's the, the contact with the people at the bar, and then also it starts to seem like she and Frasier are in their own separate show from the rest of Cheers. Right, exactly. And we see a little bit of this here, but I think it becomes more pronounced as we go on. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at Cheers, Lillian is leading everybody in the bar and singing The White Cliffs of Dover, <laughs> which I have to tell you is one of my favorite songs. Oh, really? I just love it, yeah. <laughs> I like the World War II spirit of it. You know, I just, I like the way it sounds. I've always, I've always liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to be fond of things from that era, but I think I like the Cheers people singing it, especially, you know, just something yeah, from the previous era. that's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a little tiny bit on the song, song, um, The White Cliffs of Dover, There'll Be Bluebirds Over the White Cliffs of Dover, popular World War II song composed in 1941 by Walter Kent and lyrics by Nat Burton. It was famously sung by Vera Lynn, who's always, you know, I associate her with all the kind of World War II British songs, I guess, whether that's right. correct or not. Um, but she popularized it. And it was one of her best-known recordings and among the most popular World War II tunes. So very much a part of that era, as is Lillian, it seems. So just I, I like that. I like the kind of friendly warmth of them singing that song together in the bar. I, I remember watching this scene the first time and thinking this was, it, it suited the bar pretty well. You mm-hmm. know, the fact that it was just the whole community and they're singing it. I liked that part. I did too. Yeah. So Cliff comes in, he's slumped over. Um, he has some back pain. And Sam asks if today was a Sears catalog day. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I don't know if he says it was, but it was a, he said it was a Spiegel catalog, I think is what he called it. As mm-hmm. well, which is a rare phenomenon. You know, it sounds like he's talking about some planetary alignment. It's the yes. rare phenomenon of when the catalogs come out together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Lillian comes over and gives him some sort of like very involved or very physical, I should say, chiropractic adjustment. She kind of puts her head in the center of his back and reaches around him and just jerks him upright and perfectly adjusts his back. And in so doing, at some point in this, she calls him a great silly sausage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great a great descriptor of her of him isn't it it is it is that's all you need to know 
Yeah, she probably has something for everyone, you know. She's just they're entertaining them all and just has this lilt about her, you know. Even Carla yeah. is delighted by her. And she seems fond of Carla as well, just even though she says her name like Carla. I can't say it quite like she does. <laughs> that was a pretty good effort there. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, so even Sam is admitting, you know, that she's a terrific waitress. And Carla's happy that there's no chance of romantic complications. So that this is how this is said. Everything is going so very well. And at that point, a beautiful young woman comes in and speaks in a British accent, very similar to Lillian's. It turns out, of course, she's Lillian's daughter, Caroline. So cue Carla worrying because yep. Sam is now after Caroline. Um, and she says, Caroline says she's in the States to shoot a layout for British Vogue. She's a lingerie model. <laughs> so I mean, this is just a bit extreme too. Of course it's she funny, is. Funny, right? but it's like almost like farce that you know. Yeah. They're gonna have this woman that's a lingerie model as the daughter. Um, and so she has her portfolio with her. She's the binder on the bars. Her portfolio. <laughs> did you did you make note of the part when Cliff is he was sitting with Norm at the side of bar? What he says? He's like, yes. He's like, I'll give you a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> Yeah, how <laughs> he just loses his composure completely. Right. Right. So she's showing all these photos around. I thought that was a fun inclusion. Mm-hmm. And she's showing the photos yeah. around, and Sam is shoveling ice into an ice bucket, and then he starts shoveling it onto the floor when Caroline shows him a nude shot. And she's just very <laughs> nonchalant about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Carla is going to quit if Sam goes out with Caroline because she thinks it's going to interfere with Lillian working there. And that if Lillian isn't working there, the work's gonna fall back onto Carla, so she's gonna quit as well. Um, but Sam, you know, insists that Caroline's coming on to him. And then Cliff thinks, or t- at least tells Norm, that Caroline wants him. <laughs> it's like, He's oh, in his old other alternate reality yes, here at the end yeah. of the bar. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I wanna say here about Sam, he's, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, we've seen, you know, his reaction to women like this before, but he's really cast as just this like hopeless, relentless dog here. You know what I mean? Like he just won't stop. There's no like common sense. Nothing prevails here. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just utter lust. And, and I mean, I'm not saying it's completely out of character, but it just seems so extreme. You know what I meant? And, And it kept going and it's like, I don't know. It just didn't seem really authentic to the character that, you know, here's Carla really laying, you know, the ground here, telling Mm -hmm. him what it's going to be. And she's going to walk if he does this and he can't even control himself then almost. And it's just like, it just makes him really come off kind of bad in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is kind of an extreme case of that. And that's kind of how I thought, like with the first scene too, it was just too outlandish. And then with this, he's going to lose Carla, possibly his bar. You know, he makes a joke about turning tears into a self-serve bar. So he's he yeah. seems to be willing to give up all of this just for right. a very temporary fling with this woman. Exactly. And he says, I think it's interesting, though, because he says, and he, and he says it as an excuse very casually, but I do think it's interesting that he tells Carla that he's a, you know, I mean, the weak man thing is ridiculous, but he says that someday they'll find a cure for what he has. So there's like that little, and like again, I think he says it kind of flippantly as an excuse for his behavior, but I do think there's this little inkling that he knows that there's something wrong with him, that this is not. <laughs> this is not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> yeah. 
Or help. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So Carla tells him that, you know, if Lillian says this is okay, that she'll stick around. So we get into this scene in the office between Sam and Lillian, and things really take a turn here. Um, <laughs> I, I think her performance is what really delights me about this because yes. Sam is trying to explain that he's had this problem getting romantically involved with waitresses and Lillian even like kind of raises her hand to her chest and inhales while he's talking you know like she's just he has no idea what is coming but she's kind of building the drama and she understands mm-hmm. you know she thinks she understands um, and talks about how she's a fantastic waitress and doesn't want to do anything to lose her and then she's you know says not to say another word she understands completely and Sam thinks this is just great he wanted to get her for approval all this <laughs> and then the line that she says I have this written down is Sam how can you be so civilized when your very blood is boiling and then she kind of <laughs> grasps him to her bosom you know? <laughs> and he's on his tiptoes too just oh, it's funny I thought yes uh, I really I really loved her here I mean it just it was such a turn, you know, from like you said, right. this 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 seemingly matronly woman, right, leading them mm-hmm. in a chorus song, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden here she is. I really liked how they kind of, it surprised me honestly. So I I enjoyed how they pulled that off. Oh, I did too. It, it is surprising, and I yeah I enjoy it as well. And it's kind of an interesting take on what passion is because he wasn't expecting this woman to be passionate in the way that he thinks of like sexual passion. You know, but she's right. passionate about her job. She's passionate about music and history and all these other things. You know, so even though she's yeah. not what he considers an object of passion, it's interesting that it comes out in this way. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little awkward as well because <laughs> he's a good bit younger, but still, she had talks right. about the what was it, the same unconquerable chemistry. <laughs> Just her wording of all of this. I know she's so good. She's so British. She's she so that. That prim and proper, and yet, you mm-hmm. know, she's not. And Right, right. <laughs> and Sam is kind of awkwardly patting her on the back as she's talking to him, too, you know. And then she pushes him back and asks if that's what he meant, and Sam is like, you bet. <laughs> Doesn't know what else to say. You know, and she's talking about how this has happened before, and she just sends out these erotic signals, and um, there's a moment when they both wipe their faces on opposite ends of the bar towel, too. Yes. <laughs> And she kind of dabs at her chest with it, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was great. That was good. That was good. And I wouldn't say it, it doesn't neutralize Sam's behavior, but it's definitely a good kind of unexpected yeah. rejoinder to it. So Sam you know, says he has to talk to Carla. Um, and the whole thing is that Sam, the whole situation with Caroline is that she wants to go to the Cape and she wants Sam to take her to the Cape. And she's talking about, like, are there any, what was it, clothing optional beaches or something like uh-huh. that. On and on she's, about. She's talking about that. She mentions she has this skimpy bikini. She's just like, I mean, to, to us, to the viewer, it looks like she's just clearly driving him mad and trying to lead him on, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Which seems a bit much, too. I mean, the entire thing is a little fantastical, that she's going to come in, she's going to be this laundry model, and then she's going to just be relentlessly telling him all of these you know, sensual things, um, like about her bathing suit to this man that she has just met. But, right. you know, it's, it's just part of the contrast in the story, I guess. And so Sam asks, what would Diane do? 
Carla suggests that Lillian is smarter than either of them. So Sam should tell Lillian that they can't do this because, and then say, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think Carla has had suggestions like that in the past, where she understands that other people might have an advantage, either intellectually or financially, or whatever it is. But she's like, here's how we're going to use that to our advantage. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a very good Carla strategy. Yeah. And it's, it seems like it makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a very common sense kind of thing, you know, right. you know why this can't happen between us and you don't, you know, anyone would fill in the blank. So right. yeah, I like, I like that. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds yeah. me of the episode Barbet when Sam was on the hook to marry Jacqueline Bissett and yes, yeah. Carla <laughs> comes up with the idea that he, the, the, the note or whatever doesn't say he has to marry the Jacqueline this is. So she sort of comes <laughs> up with the solution, you know, and that it's, it's, it's true. And it's, like, it's a very common sense, scrappy kind of yes. thing, right? I mean, it's like she, you know, everyone's coming up with this convoluted, how are you going to get her? And she just has this, wait a minute, very, you know, easy kind of approach to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And similar with this, like, don't, you don't have to explain this to Lillian or you don't have to come up with, you know, all these kind of confrontational things, like just let her fill it in because she's smarter than we are. Right. So, yeah. Right. So <laughs> Carla, so she says that, and then Carla has to repeat Sam's part. So, because Carla, I think that he asked her, like, well, what am I supposed to say? Like, you said, Lillian, we can't do this because, mm-hmm. well, you know. And Sam is like getting frustrated. He's like, no, I don't. I wouldn't be asking you to repeat if I did. <laughs> yeah. She just like sprays him in the face with the faucet. Mm-hmm. And he deserved it at that part. It's like you've got to, you've got to follow some kind of plot or other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he tries it. It works. She says that she supposes she does know why they can't do this, and Sam does this little dance um, <laughs> over the corner, <laughs> and she says she loves the job. She needs the job, and then she does the Carla, you know, needs me so badly and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to preserve a proper working relationship. And, you know, it goes on about how it's for the best and so forth. And Sam is young and not so schooled in the ways of love as I. Such a coupling could be fatal. I just, I love, I feel like the writers are liberated to write in a certain kind of formal English way with this. You know? Yes. And in a way, though... (laughs) It reminded me. It's almost like in Diane's absence, we have the British Diane here, you know, in terms of her vocabulary and the writers just being able to, you know, pull out the the thesaurus and just have go hog wild, right? Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So Sam is learning that Lillian has had two husbands that died in bed. And he asks what they died of. And Lillian kind of throws herself into Sam's office chair. This was fantastic. (laughs) She just kind of throws her head back. She's like, oh, you child. <laughs> you child. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you child. And she talks about how all of her men faint, but these two never came to. And, um, you know, Sam asked if they were healthy guys and wanted to know if they were smiling when they died. And she says, ear mm-hmm. to ear. And that was the grumpy one. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just, I feel like that's kind of a tour de force performance from her. It's really fun. 
It is. And you know what's great here? I mean, she it, it's subtle, but she has the upper hand here, you know, because you can oh, yeah. see the wheels turning in Sam's head like, wait a minute, you know, uh-huh. this sounds too good to be true. And you can just kind of see the clockwork going like, wait, wait, what, you know, and, and she kind of has that upper hand in the situation. So um, I thought, again, it was pretty subtle, but I really liked how that the dynamic kind of flipped on that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I really He's did. kind of like, you know, he's always the pursuer, the aggressor, and she in this case is kind of above him and he's all of a sudden like, wait a minute, what do I do, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Right. Um and then he's like she has him wondering like what might that be like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um whereas he's always making comments about what women's experiences would be like with him and so forth. And now it's completely flipped on him. And he says, (laughs) Sam says, I'll be darned. (laughs) I always like it because I think that's such a, it's just an old fashioned, you know, kind of classic, innocent thing to say. And I like it when Sam says that. I'll be darned. (laughs) So Caroline is waiting. She's still waiting out in the bar. Sam's kind of kept her waiting for a while. And Lillian thinks that this is just a wonderful idea for Sam to take her daughter sightseeing. Um, And she says it will keep his mind off what he really wants. Now, I think it's very interesting that it does not occur to Lillian that Sam might be interested in her daughter. But apparently she's just so much woman that she doesn't see. (laughs) (laughs) So much woman, that's it. might be interested in her daughter instead. (laughs) Yeah. So Sam asked Caroline how her father died and said they all know that it was mommy's passion that killed him. And as she's saying this, there's this cut to Lillian at the bar and she's just like has a slight smile on her face and she's slowly cleaning this glass. (laughs) (laughs) She really is. Like even the way she's dabbing at that glass, it's like this sensuous kind of all knowing thing. Right. And Sam's kind of looking back at that, like listen, like watching her rotating this glass. And Caroline's saying that she supposes that that's why she hates sex so, and how she just the very idea of it and all of this. Mm-hmm. And so he watches her cleaning this glass as he follows Caroline out the door. <laughs> and that's the end. Oh, that is the end. What did you think of this episode? I find it, I find it entertaining for Lillian's performance. And for yes. the twist that we talked about with, you know, her kind of having the upper hand. And I don't think she was trying to get the upper hand. She just naturally is commanding about in everything, mm-hmm. but also in <laughs> in that way, you know. Right, um, right. I, I thought Carla contributed to it. I thought she was a good supporting player in her part. Um, mm. and she had some good little bits. Sam... I, I don't know. I mean, I thought he was, like you said, he was kind of unappealing in a lot of his behavior. I thought that the scene in the office with Lillian was probably the, like, when I was the most fond of his performance, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, right. Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, I do like it. I do like it a lot, but I think I like it mainly for her introduction and just her performance in the bar and the way yeah. she kind of takes everything in, you know. I kind of, when I, I knew I liked her pretty quickly into the episode went after mm-hmm. she's introduced and I remember kind of wishing that this was something that we could, we could see her in more episodes, have her be, you know, recurring on some basis. But, um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I enjoy the farce of it and we've seen it before from the show in smaller degrees, but mm-hmm. this episode is very much farce, um, 
And, you know, there are moments that kind of go on a little too long and it kind of tries your patience a little bit. But I agree. Um, she was was the best part of this episode for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I thought that the European scenes with Diane and Fraser, which we talked about a little bit, again, they seem like they're out of another, almost like a comedy sketch in the middle of it. Mm. Um, which I, I mean, I, I almost forget that they're in this episode when we're talking about it, aside from when we come up to that point, you know. Right. Um, I do think that it's completely believable that Carlo would be fed up with Sam's dalliances affecting her job. So that yeah. aspect yeah. of it, like the tension in their working relationship, I thought was good to show. Oh, absolutely. And then the other thing I was thinking about was that, you know, Sam is not direct with Lillian and some of it's situational, but I think some of it is just Sam doesn't quite know how to get out of conflicts of that sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, Sam's definitely the weaker part here, I think. Like I said, they kind of just cast him as this helpless kind of dog in the sense that he's just kind of lapping up what what they're giving him, right? I mean, we've got these two women and he's between the two and... He's just, you know, completely susceptible to everything. So I feel like in terms of his character, this episode didn't really play well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, overall, it was enjoyable enough, largely due to um, to um, Lila Kay's performance, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think, too. She's definitely the strength of the episode. Yeah. And makes it fun. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.